We want to welcome all of you to Quest Online tonight, the Quest Online family, and we thank you for joining us. Tonight is going to be a very, not just a prophetic moment, but a very pivotal moment, and it's going to bring a sense of direction, a sense of calmness. Um, I just know that the Lord is going to speak through the men who are going to join me on this night. You know, I've been in prayer all day. We started a fast today, and I spent most of this day in prayer. And uh, the Lord really dealt with me about where we are as a nation and where we are as the body of Christ. And tonight, you're going to hear, as Pastor Josh said, from some great generals in the body of Christ. So I want to introduce them to you very quickly. First of all, we have Apostle Ron Carpenter with us, and then Bishop Gary Oliver, and then Bishop Clint Brown. And I want to say how much that I respect these men, and I prayed for them today specifically call their name out and ask God to drop a prophetic mantle on them for this moment. This moment matters. And uh, I know that they will speak to us. They all operate in fivefold ministry. They operate as pastors and apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers. But tonight I prayed that God would speak to them prophetically and give a sense of direction to the people of God. Guys, welcome. We're glad you're here with us tonight. Glad to be here. Thank you, Bishop, for inviting us. Absolutely. I want to start out, you know, let's look at 2020 just for a moment. The year of vision suddenly became the year of the virus and um, now the year of violence. Um, we went from a pandemic to now we ran through Pentecost and now we're in pandemonium. But we are setting in a perfect occasion and opportunity to peer into a prophetic future that is loaded with potential. My mind went today and I, I thought about Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 11. The New American Standard Version says that the burden of Duma, the Bible says that there was an oracle concerning Duma, and we're going to talk about that. And he says, one keeps calling to me from Seir, Mount Seir, watchman, what of the night? Or watchman, how far gone is the night? Watchman, how far gone is the night? And from chapter 13 through 23, of course, you guys are theologians and you know, you know this. But for 10 chapters, the prophet speaks oracles to prominent cities. An oracle, as you also know, means to speak with authority, but with also wisdom. I think we have to be very careful as leaders in the body of Christ that we do not approach this day as a know-all, know-it-all, in-all. That we all have to say we are listening and we are learning. My question to everyone in this season is, are you listening? And then caveat to that is, what are you learning as you are listening? Um, I, it's needless to say that I think everyone knows our nation is in turmoil. It's like a tsunami is on the land. The bottom is overtaking the top. Um, this prophetic word, and I'll take three or four minutes here, guys. I'm going to turn you loose. Just give me three minutes here. Duma in the Hebrew means stillness or silence. The cry came out of Seir, S-E-I-R, Mount Seir, as we know, means to be goat-like or to be stubborn or to be obstinate. It was a people cry crying to silence, saying, do not be silent. 
But they specifically called for a voice out of silence, and they didn't ask for the congressman to speak. They didn't ask for political figures to speak. They called specifically for watchmen. And the cry was, watchmen, what of the night? And we know that watchmen are stationed on the wall, and they oversee the harvest in the vineyard. But for the purpose of guarding and protecting it, watchmen in the Hebrew is bishop in the Greek, which is episkopos, epi over skopos, the scope vision. My question is, what are leaders saying right now? Not, not politicians, not elected officials, but anointed officials, ordained officials. What is in, what is in their mouth? Watchmen, what of the night? And night here has to do with adversity, the spiraling down of a staircase. It has to do with chaos. And the cry is not just what about the night, but what is the duration of this night? And what is the details of this night? Give us an answer. And the cry goes back, ask again, inquire again, return and ask again. And it seems like we're caught in the vicious cycle of strongholds in this nation that have erected themselves through centuries of learned behaviors. And we've looked to every house but the right house for the answer. And I know you guys agree with me that the answer is not going to come from a courthouse or the White House or the state capitol. The answer has to come from the house of God. And so I've invited you here tonight to speak to us as watchmen that are on the wall. And the question is, what of the night? Brothers, what, what do you see? Where, what, next? what is next? Where do we go from here? I believe that we are resting in Hebrews 9.10, that we have arrived at a time of reformation. Um, We've been quarantined. We have been shut in. Some of you guys, I I think, Apostle Ron, you guys still haven't gone back in your building, right? They haven't let us do anything. Yeah, see, so you guys are still shelter in place. Uh, Bishop Gary, are y'all back in church yet? We're about 30% back. Yeah, that's about us, 30 to 40%. Bishop Brown? Same thing, I would say about 30%. Yeah, so, you know, we've been sheltered in place, and now things are slowly beginning to open back up. But as they do, the streets are filled with chaos. As you peer at the condition of this nation, and we'll dialogue through this thing, Apostle Ron, you've been a leader in the body of Christ. I saw the interview you did with... Bishop Jakes and those incredible people that were on that panel. Lean into it a little bit for us and and share your heart with us as a watchman. That's a a lot. Number one, thank you for having me. And these are not just great men of God. These these are friends. Yeah. So uh, I have this one circled. I was looking forward to this one. So thank you for having me, Bishop. That's That's a lot. I mean, and, you know, looking at coming out of what they call a pandemic, you know, and then what happened in the midst of that, and then trying to say, where's that going to let us all rest? It has been my experience. This is my experience that the, that you have about three or four defining moments really in life. Uh, You don't have a defining moment every Thursday. You may, you may have a half a dozen at most your whole life. And those are, decisions that you make in times of crisis yeah and in that time of crisis 
that decision will usually chart the trajectory of your life for the next season, sometime for the rest of your life. Mm. That's been my experience. The problem is the demand on you is, is made to make the decision when you're emotionally drained, mm. you're worn out mentally, you're tired, you're exhausted. And so when you are least qualified to make a wise decision, right. the demand is put on you to wow. make one. I'm so feeling a little bit of that right now Me because – there's a lot of people say we've been into a Sabbath. We've been in a forced rest. I don't know what church they pastor. I have not been in a rest <laughs> and I have not been in a Sabbath. I've never worked harder in my life. Same here. And so anyway, um, I, I do think that for me, you asked several questions. I'll answer one or two of them that for the COVID-19 part, I do think I am going to have to sit back and I'm going to have to real realistically think has having a physical meeting limited the kingdom mm. having a because as I am sitting here and most of the people that I've talked to Bishop, my, my numbers have exploded yeah. during this and I can't explain it. Mm. I have nothing to attribute it to. I'm not doing anything different than I did before, but you know, over over the centuries of time, the church spending millions of dollars on a location and having to come to that location under a name and a brand and a T-shirt and a church identity has the has the rise of the church brand almost destroyed the kingdom mission. Wow. And so I'm having to sit back and saying church is not going to look like it did because the fact is I've had far more growth outside these walls than I have ever had in it. I had 11,000 first time visitors Sunday. Wow. Okay. That I can't imagine a day where I would have filled this building up three times with visitors. Right. I can't even conceive of that. Yeah. But that's what we had Sunday. So I'm looking at, I'm going to have to become a student again to what is next. And I can't answer what, answer what next is. I got some thoughts on, the, the violence in the streets and, and things like that. But I would like to hear some of the other uh, men of God respond. Bishop Brown. Uh, I, I hear what apostle Ron is saying and uh, I'm, I'm the same way. You know, I, I was amazed the other night I sat at my piano and sang and, um, and, you know, three days later I'm looking down and there's 40,000 views of it. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Sitting at the piano, and I—I I mean, I'm not going to preach or minister to 40,000 people in a pulpit in the next three years combined. Mm -hmm. uh, so I understand what he's saying. I would—I would say it alarms me, though. Um, yes. I do agree about about we've 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 elevated the importance of the brand and all of those things. I think that's gotten a little out of hand. Uh, you can pass the church, and now. We're so trying to be so creative that we try to name our church so no one even knows it is a church. Yeah, and so, um, right. we devalued that. But one of the things that uh, happened to me was my uh, the, the head of our CDC in Orlando. When I met with them, and I was like, "It's time to let us come back to our building." Mm -hmm. uh, Bishop Brown, he said, "I did a I did a study of you, and I found out that." you had and he named how many thousands and thousands of views we had had you know of our ministry at, without going to the building mm -hmm. and i said yes sir you're correct i said that's true he said 
He said, you, there's no way. He said, you're doing better uh, online than you would in your building. And I said, I'm, I'm getting more views online than I would in my building. I said, but I just have a question for you. I said, have you uh, ever been to a magic game? And he looked at me, oh yeah. I said, why'd you go? He said, well, I, 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 I you know, I, I, it's, it's the magic. It's in Orlando and I'm a magic fan. I said, yeah, but I mean, why didn't you watch it at home? I mean, you've got your couch, you've got your yeah. chair, you head, you got your bathroom, you got your refrigerator. You don't have to worry about anybody spilling a drink on you. You don't have to worry about crowds. You don't have to worry about parking, but you went through all of that just to get to that building. Mm -hmm. Why? Not because you're a magic fan, because it's an experience. Mm -hmm. There's something about coming together yeah. that creates an experience we can't duplicate on this computer. Right. Mm -hmm. So Agreed. my 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 challenge is to do what Apostle Ron said. We've got to now recognize that online church is extremely effective. Whereas we probably didn't before COVID-19, yep. we knew it, it was good to have, but now we know there are going to be probably seasons where it's all we have. So yep. we better get it in line, right. but I, I just don't ever see it replacing that experience. Yeah, I agree so, with that. Bishop Oliver? Well, hearing both uh, Apostle and Bishop and yourself, uh, Pastor Rick, and thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of this evening and uh, with these great guys. And as Apostle Ron said, we all are great friends, and I thank God for that. Yeah, thank God. Relationship, because everything is relationship. Yep. And I think that that's what I'm hearing in all of this, because when you look through the Word of God, everything through the Word of God is built on relationship. And it we call this social media but yet it's the least social thing we do. Mm -hmm. And to somehow, um, you know, I remember when we first all started streaming, everybody kind of got a little, uh, a, a little <laughs> wore out by it because now we can't fill up our buildings. Yeah. Half of our people are staying home. A third of our people are staying home, you know, and we didn't have the quite the giving online kind of thing set up. So we were losing uh, finances. We were losing all kinds of stuff. And then all of a sudden, when this hits and we come back at it this way and we're now online, we're having more people than we can hold in our buildings mm -hmm. watching our Sunday morning services. Right. And uh, finances are going up. Everything's going up. Different things are happening for us. So there has to be. And when you ask the question, what is next? Uh, I'm kind of like Apostle Ron. I really don't know what is next, but I think that somehow it's got to be a blend and a meshing together of the two on a new level that like we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. But there has to be something, as Bishop Brown said, that the coming together of the people of God, there is an experience in corporate worship that you cannot get by yourself in your own house, just worshiping God by yourself. Mm -hmm. It's how many times have we been in meetings where uh, I remember one night in, in particular back way back in the day with uh, Brother Schambach and a, a young boy, five years old, walked to the platform. His mother led him up there and the young man was blind. And when Brother Schambach prayed for this young boy, his sight came back instantly. And when his sight came back, miracles started happening mm. all over the house. Mm. There is an energy of faith 
and, and life that comes into a room, when you've got real people, tangible, sitting beside you, experiencing the same thing. And so I don't know how that's going to be replaced. I don't know that we can replace that. I think it's just going to look different from yeah. us from now on. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think we have to settle on this, that it's going to be different. The, the change is not coming. Change is here. It's here. Yeah, and I don't believe Reformation is coming. I believe Reformation is here from the socioeconomic condition of this country to the justice system to the spiritual realms of this nation. There is a Reformation taking place. It is not coming. It is on us. And, of it's course, on. until we go through this phase, we won't be able to define it. But while we're going through this process, I want you all to lean in a little bit on the prophetic notion of this moment. The practicalities of that are very true, and I agree wholeheartedly with what you guys are saying. But I, I want you to shift just a moment to give us some spiritual insight now, because when I look at the chaos that is going on in our nation, and it's total chaos, without a vision, people perish, or without revelation, people cast off restraint. I said yesterday in my message, we don't have a law problem, we have a light problem. We have a revelation problem right now. And so... Too many people are walking in what they know and not what they understand. And you can be educated but not enlightened. And what we're here tonight to do is to enlighten these people with a prophetic revelation of what is happening behind the scenes. Now, we know we can't define church attendance and assembly in the future and all of those things till we get there. And we've got to pass through this. But right now, we, we need to talk about understanding what, what is happening in the mode of revelation. Now, I'll give you an example. Chaos is happening everywhere. Felix culpa is a phrase coined by St. Augustine, which means these words. God judged it better to bring good out of evil than not to allow evil or permit evil to exist. So Felix culpa goes on to say, the Latin phrase goes on to say, that it is a series of unfortunate events that turn out to be a far greater outcome. So it's almost like if you want to get to the outcome, you have to go through the misfortune. Or if you want to get to the good, you've got to get through the evil. So this is what I see happening right now. We are experiencing what I refer to, and I'm not trying to be too deep here, but I, I know the mantle I've been in for three weeks, and I can't just take it off. So if you guys do not mind tolerating me for a moment, I would appreciate it. But what I'm seeing right now is entropy in the body of Christ. And, and entropy is a lot of things, but it is a slow decline into disorder, which we see in the nation. There's a slow decline into disorder. There's disorder everywhere. There's no restraints anywhere. And that is a result of the lack of information in a transmitted message. That is entropy. We're losing the message in the mess. And that's why I'm calling on you guys to stand up Let's stand up as men of God, as bishops, watchmen, overseers, prophets, and say, hey, guys, let's don't lose this message in this mess. Jesus Christ is still the absolute answer for, the day, for today. The house of God is still the institution where you can come and experience integration, enjoy the law of interrelated reality, be a family of all colors, be accepted, be, a, be loved, be welcomed, and be embraced. And I'm not seeing that right now. I'm seeing us trying to fit conversations into the chaos instead of having dialogue that is diametrically opposed to the chaos. 
And so that's why I invited you guys tonight, because I want you to speak into that fabric and, and talk to these. These people are hungry for watchmen. These people, prophets before time, 1 Samuel chapter 9, were known as seers, right? And what we need is sight right now, sight, oversight. People want oversight right now. They want insight right now. And I, I preface this dialogue with this, that we don't know it all. We're still trying to figure it out. We're learning and we're listening, but also we're leading. Mm -hmm. And so, Apostle, lean into that for a moment, if, if you don't mind. I'm going to give you about two minutes on each one. I'm going to give you what I think is some prophetic insight where God is leading me. We, we have, for whatever reason, we have been forced to host the presence of God in our house. Mm -hmm. Okay? We've been forced to that. Um, when David went to get the ark back and bring it back to Jerusalem, Saul had no desire for the ark. They were still going through the motions and the presence of God wasn't even there. David set his affections on God's house and he wanted to bring the ark back to the house of God. When he went to do that, they did not carry it according to protocol. Someone lost their life and they had to leave it for a period of 90 days at a man's house called Obed-Edom. When the presence of God was at Obed-Edom's house, we know the story. The Bible says everything, mm -hmm. everything, and everything falls under everything. Everything in his household was blessed. David went back, got the right protocol, understand that it had to be carried on the shoulders of the priest, had to, the poles had to go through the holdings, everything. And so they carried the are back into Jerusalem, and Obed-Edom picked up his entire family, packed it up, packed his house up, mm -hmm. and he said, now that I have experienced the presence of God in my house, I go. will never, ever again live yeah, a day man. without Come on with it. Now, this is my first prophet, my prophetic insight for the church, I think, is this. Now that the largest number of people maybe ever in our lifetime has reached out, maybe out of fear, out of whatever reason, and they had a hunger for God, but they had to receive God through this mechanism in their house. If there was any presence, if there was any atmosphere, they had to create it themselves without a team of professionals creating it for them. Now we have learned how to take what happens in church and bring it into our house. Mm. Now, here's what I'm asking for the church, and here's my prophetic insight. I will be the first to tell you, guilty. And I've really been looking at this if I needed to repent. I am in the most unchurched region in America right now. We just passed Seattle. Mm -hmm. We're 97% unchurched, 8 million people out here. And 90% of the 3% are Catholic. So I'm in a minuscule number of people that are church people. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have dialed it back since I've been out here. I know how to have church. I know how to pray for the sick, run, sling, jump, flip, sweat. Pray, if it moves, pray for it, prophesy to it. I was raised on it. I know how to do it. I will admit to you, I have dialed it back in order to try to be relevant. And I'm wondering if I have made a mistake. Mm. Because now that we have hosted the presence of God at Come our on. house, then what's going to make me get little Johnny up, get him a bath, me get up, cook breakfast, mm. get everybody dressed, and ride across town and go to a building that doesn't have it? Man, I'm feeling well, that. Come on. So if we're gonna, if we've had it in our house, that may mean we need to look at what's going on in the building and take it up a level to make it something worth traveling to. Mm. If the art's gonna be in the houses, for God's sake, let it be in the church. Yes. I'll, I'll let somebody else speak. 
Bishop? You know, uh, Pastor, and I, I mean, not, you know, I almost ran out of this office whenever Apostle was talking because yeah. I know what he's talking about. And, uh, you know, as leaders, uh, we, 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 we want to be effective. We yes. do. We want people to, to be ministered to. We want to be able to relate. We want to be able to, uh, to have our church members bring people to our buildings and, and them be ministered to without being in fear of, of something crazy going on. We've gotten so concerned about that when the truth of the matter is, I really believe that it's the supernatural that can't be explained that people are really looking for, mm. really desiring it. On the day of Pentecost, listen, man, the, the, when the power of the Holy Ghost fell, it had to be explained. Right. It wasn't understandable. It wasn't relatable. It right. wasn't something they got. Peter had to step out and say, whoa, let me tell y'all what this is. And I think if people come to our church and nothing has to be explained, everything is so relative now that nothing has to be explained. Where is then the supernatural? Mm. Where is the power of God if nothing has to be explained? And I believe that I know in our services, when we came back and we've only been back for a few weeks and I, I'll encourage uh, Apostle Ron, I'm going to tell you something. The first group of people that are going to come back to your church in California. And I don't know. I don't know if Pastor Gary uh, said he had church yet. I think yeah. he did. I think he said he had 30 percent. The first group of people that have come back to my church, I'm telling you, they did not come back just to sit there mm -hmm. and just have church as normal. It, there is something electric yeah. in our building right now that is unbelievable. I don't know if it's happening with uh, Bishop Gary, but I, I promise you, Apostle Ron, when you come back to your building, the first wave of people are going to be the people that set the tone for the supernatural to start taking place yes, in church again. Yes, yep. sir. I agree wholeheartedly. And I will tell you, uh, Bishop Brown, that when we came back, that first service, when we came back, it was so electric in the building and the presence of God. And what, what you talked about, Apostle Ron, that we learned to host something in our home, it put responsibility on us. If yeah. we were going to tap into the presence it put the responsibility on us to dig for it and not to wait for some praise team and some worship team. Mm -hmm. All right. I came back uh, Sunday, this past Sunday, even out of this chaos. One of the things that I, I go back to always is I, it's my life is I go back to the praise and worship area of the church, because I believe that praise and worship is the area of the church that brings presence. And I think that all of us from our background and knowing uh, you, Apostle Ron, man, uh, back in the time when uh, I, I first met you and started coming to your church, I mean, y'all would sing till the glory fell in that place, run, stomp, and shout, carry on. Clint Brown, I know what you came up in. Rick Hawkins and I have been friends for 30-something years plus, and I can tell you, we all know what that takes. But here's where I find what you're talking about, uh, Pastor Rick. When you're talking about this deal about this entropy and this uh, the church declining, 
here's what I think we have done. I think we have tried to pick up in the narrative. And when I went back to the song, mm-hmm. uh, I started looking at the song of a sense. The song of a sense started Psalm 120 and they go through 134. There's about 15 of them. And the first song, David begins to write and he talks about this thing about, I came to the Lord and I cried out with my trouble and he heard me and he answered me. Mm. And this was his trouble is that David began, he said, I have begun to realize that there is no peace in this world I live in. Mm. I cry for peace, but I live between Meshach and Kadesh. I live between hoodlums and I live between people that are trying to tear everything up. He said, it's violence on every hand. It's lies. Talk, man. The world is lies. And here's the issue. The church has tried to pick up on the world's narrative and somehow make that relevant in the church. And here's the real relevance. The world is doing a good job being the world. But is the church being a good job, doing a good job being the church? Come on. that the world has and that it is promoting is that we can fix this. We can do this ourselves. And they tell us how we can help it. Uh, all of this out by getting better laws, by getting, you know, better paychecks to everybody, by getting better education. And I'm going to tell you what, you, <laughs> y'all know as well as I do, money doesn't take away your anxiety. And, and education doesn't take away your fear. And all of these different things, and, and the psychologist telling you how you can change your behavior and you can be the master of your own universe and you can be that person. And we're preaching these same messages in the church, but what we're doing is we're leaving God out of the picture. Mm. And we've got to bring God back in the picture. Yeah, we can do some things, but we can't do anything without God. And that's what that first Psalm of Ascent was. David was saying, God, I'm coming to you because I know that there's no peace out here. Everything is lies. And if I don't get to you, I don't get what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And that is a life of peace by following you and following your presence. And I'm telling you, it's presence that we need. It is not new laws. It is not new uh, uh reformation of everything. We can do all that stuff. We need to do it and we're going to do it. But at the end of the day, if we're not bringing God to people, we have missed a great, great opportunity for the church of God. Powerful, super powerful. So totally agree with what you guys are saying to feel the anointing right here on this stage. And I'm just going to caveat on that if you don't mind. You guys immediately went to the upper room. The answer for entropy and disorder is harmony and unity. And, and we find that in the book of Acts chapter 2. We preach from it all the time, the day of Pentecost. But what we leave out is that verse 5 says, all nations under heaven, all nations, all ethnos, all ethnicities are found mm-hmm. in verse 5. So what happened in the upper room wasn't for the upper room. It was for the ethnicities that were under the upper room. So right. when the presence of God hit that place, a reformation happened. And let me show you what I'm talking about. There was 120 people in that upper room. So we are 120 120 in history is important because God is cyclical. I know you guys believe that. 120 years ago this month, the reformation of what we now call the movement of the Holy Ghost happened in Topeka, Kansas. We are 120 years away from that. 
120 people in the upper room. 2 Chronicles 5, 12. 120 priests blowing the trumpet. Priests don't blow trumpets. And we're in an hour right now where God is putting demands on anointings. And he's saying it's time to pick up sound and it's time to give sight. And I believe that's what happened when those 120 were there. And I believe that's why I'm harping on this, guys. We are here right now. At the end of revolt is reformation. At the end of the chaos is a revival. And I believe we are on the threshold of the greatest revival that the church has ever seen. But we've got to get back to what you guys are saying right now. And we've got to lay our opinions and agendas down and say, God, show up in such a magnificent way that we are walking like inebriated men that are unified with a clarion call that revival has come to this nation. It's come to our churches. We're seeing it right now. And so I just, I want to just stay there with you guys because I, I fully wholeheartedly agree. Let me share one more thought. If God is cyclical, and we all agree that he is, right? That yes. he, he works in cycles. That Ezekiel said he's a wheel in the middle of a wheel. He's ever turning. He's ever moving. Just back up 10 years ago, I was studying this this morning. The oil spill by BP. In right off the coast of Louisiana, Bishop Clint, millions of gallons of oil was lost. And here's why. Because the oil well was too rigid. That when the commotion struck, it wasn't flexible and adaptable enough to sway with what was happening. And when you are rigid, you're going to break. And rigid religion right now is breaking under the pressure for answers. And what we need is a wholesale move of God that is able to be flexible with the motion of, and the commotion of what's happening in this earth and yet not move from our foundations. Amen. You know what, Bishop? Can I respond? Yes, sir. I just didn't know if it was a good time to jump in. All right, here's why I'll do what I do best. I'm going to get out on the edge and get a little bit controversial. I... I think it was telling when the pandemic broke out. We now, we, we now, all three of us, I think I might be the youngest one on here, but not by far. We're at that season where we're wanting to start imparting. Yeah. We're wanting to turn around to the next generation and start downloading what we have. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I didn't think I was ever going to get there, but I, we're all at that season where I'm still doing it, but I'm also looking at who am I going to leave it with? Okay. Having said that, something that alarmed me greatly is there was no word of the Lord. When this pandemic hit, I looked all over the place and the people who have the platform, mm -hmm. there was no word of the Lord. Come on. So the people that had the ear of the nation had nothing to say. So I heard faith over fear and don't be scared. Talk, but there man. was no word of the Lord. Oh. And the people have not been trained to pray because now we've made, we've dumbed down church so much. Uh, we were supposed to be witnesses. And when we came together, that's supposed to be a house being built to where God assembles stones and he dwells by his spirit. But we've made the church experience become the witness. So there it's not a teaching tool. It's not a training tool anymore. It's the place where you get saved. I don't believe that's the biblical model. However, I will move forward. Mm -hmm. Having said that, we had people that didn't know what to do. 
So I went on there and just said, people, nobody knows what to do. I'm just going to teach them how to pray Psalm 91. Um, I have a decent following on on social media. I got 800,000 views on a prayer. Mm. Teach people how to plead the blood and put the hedge of God around their household. They didn't know how. I don't get 800,000 views. I can count on one hand when I get that many views. That thing went wild. Why? Because people are scared. There's no word of the Lord to right. the from the emerging generation. There was right. no word of the Lord. And there was no instruction. So people did not know what to do. Let me tell you what happened. When Jesus was asked, what are the signs of the times? And I'm not an end time guy. I have not given my life to that. I can't even hardly talk, can't even hardly talk intelligently about it. But when John chapter 20 when he said, what's the sign of the times and how are we going to know when everything's winded down? Jesus gave an entire narrative on division, nation against nation, mother against yep, father, yep. parent against child, child against parent. And when he said nation against nation, I had a hunch. I said, I bet that Greek word is ethnos. And I went to it and it was, it was not nation. It was race. That's right. Race, race against race. So here we are right here seeing that narrative play out right in front of our eyes. And then going down to verse 13, and Jesus said, however, for you, it will be an occasion for opportunity mm. or an occasion for testimony. Testimony is proof. In other words, he said, the church cannot get infected by the disease it's attempting to cure. We cannot be, we, you can't be of it and change it. That's mm. it got to be different from it to be able to affect it. We are salt. If God sprinkles salt on an area and we're not salty enough to change it, he says it's only fit for the dung heap. So the fact is, I think prophetically, maybe every generation is sitting back and saying, when I was tested, I had no answers. And maybe just maybe this thing, the way we've been doing it, is not the God way, and I need to get the CEO-ness out of it and put the Holy Ghost back in the middle of it. My God. A God-led movement, because let me tell you something. When this thing hit, there were no answers. And that hurt me because I have a little bit of platform. Y'all have a little bit of platform. I was screaming the word of the Lord, but I don't have access to a nation. Mm. The people that did had nothing to say. So I'll get some kickback from this, but go ahead. I've been doing that my whole life. I'll let somebody else speak. Well, let me just caveat there. You, I agree. I was looking for that too. I was thinking somebody's going to come out with a prophetic word of the Lord for right now, and I didn't see it either. But None. I found myself resting in 1 Samuel chapter 3, where the Bible mm -hmm. says the word of the Lord was rare. There. It was not, there was no word from God right then. And the, mm -hmm. and the eyes of Eli waxed dim that he could not see. He lost vision. And when leaders lose vision, light goes out. The lamp went out. And that's why I say the opposite of chaos is not order. The opposite of chaos is light. When God created the earth, it was chaotic. He didn't say let there be order. He said let there be light. And so we need, I agree with you, Pastor Ron. And guess who's, guess what's happening in the text? There's a young man who's ministering to the Lord. Right. Yes. He's a boy wearing a linen ephod. He's practicing his future. He's not even supposed to put the thing on until he's 30. But he's practicing mm -hmm. where he's going. Mm -hmm. And God begins to call his name because he practiced his future. There is a generation behind us called the millennial, the millennial generation, Generation Z. They are waiting with open arms. 
And I'm telling you, I agree with you. I'm looking for impartation moments too. But we are set in an occasion for an opportunity to see this transgenerational move hit the earth like we've never seen before. Bishop Clint Brown, I know you know what I'm talking about when I refer to, to light. Is he still here? Is Bishop Clint still here? When we refer to light, I heard him talking about it yesterday. But I, I want to I agree with you, Apostle Ron, that, man, where is the word of the Lord right now? And that's why I invited you guys, because I knew you would bring a sense of direction to the destiny of, of the people of God. Bishop Oliver? Yeah, I would, I would like to go back to something you said a while ago when you were talking about the 120 priests that blew the trumpet and you said priests don't blow trumpets. Yeah. And that issue in our churches today, that's why we don't have presence, is because the priests have laid the trumpets down. Mm. And we have musicians. And, and so now we have to go back and we have to tap into the idea that the ushers and the singers and the porters can't kept the same ward of purification as did the priests. You're preaching. Is what the scripture says. So you can't club on Friday and Saturday night and come in on Sunday morning and walk in a powerful anointing. Come on. You don't have a lifestyle. It, it's like, I, I, I'll just... It, no, it, no, you don't no. have the lifestyle to back it all up. No. You 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 got issues already. And the problem for us is I, I remember when, when I was living in New York, I used to work for a church that, you know, it was one of those uh back in the day, you know, where the pastor would come in, service gonna start at 10 o'clock. Man, I got to church at five o'clock every Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. I would be the first one in the building every Sunday morning at five o'clock. And you say, but you're just a, just a praise and worship guy, aren't you? Listen, it's not just the praise and worship guy. Praise and worship is not to bring a moment of, of structure and order to a little service so we can come out and do our little message. Preach, man. Worship is literally about properly aligning ourselves with headship. We are the body. It is putting the, it's a chiropractic assignment in the spirit to put the body back into alignment with headship. That's reformation. We don't miss what he says. And the issue is when that was at the church in New York, man, I'll have, you know, my pastor, he, he probably didn't even show up till 11 o'clock half the time. I would be leading praise and worship for an hour for an hour. Then I moved to Tulsa. And when I moved to Tulsa, Bishop Carlton was on TV and they told me you have 15 minutes to lead praise and worship. And I panicked because I said, man, I, you know, I've been coming into church and I've been taking my time. I've been soaking in this thing and I'd been getting there and I'd start singing. I'd sing some worship songs. Then I'm going to fast song. And next thing you know, this whole place is cooking. And I'm thinking, how can I do this in 15 minutes? And the Lord began to deal with me about the idea that we think we can't make anything happen suddenly in God. But the reason is, is because we're not where we need to be for the suddenly to come. Wow. Because spirit is subject to the prophet. Yes. The spirit is subject to the prophet. Then that means I can shut it down when I need to, but I can also bring it up when I need to. Mm -hmm. So if I can bring it up, then if I've only got 10 minutes, then bless God when I hit that first note. And that first hallelujah comes out of my mouth. 
I expect to see waves of something happen in that congregation right then. I don't need 30 minutes anymore. Just give me one song and let me do what God has anointed me to do. That's where we have to come back yeah, to. Yeah. Do these things and do them right. We have to do something that brings presence. It's not a cute song. We're not trying to see how many riffs you can do. Sit down. Mm -hmm. I want somebody that can open up their mouth and glory comes out. Bishop Brown, mm -hmm. I know you got something to say about it. I think we lost him. I'm not sure. He's on there. Bishop Brown, you there? Hello, Bishop Brown? Can you hear us? I don't think he can hear you, Bishop. Okay. Well, let me just say this. You were preaching <laughs> and you were prophesying. And that's what that's why I wanted you guys to come on here because I knew that thing would hit you guys. That unction of anointing would hit you and you'd be able to articulate right now where the body of Christ is. And I wholeheartedly agree. And man, we need to get back to that altar. Consecration is not is not cleaning your hands. Consecration is filling your hands. And we've spent too much time at the table of sanctification and not enough time at the table of consecration. Sanctification says do not touch, do not handle. Consecration says grab hold of and get your hands full of it. And I believe that God is bringing us into a consecrated mode of ministry where our hands are filled with purpose, our hands are filled with the cause of Christ in this earth, and I agree with that dynamic that you brought to us. Bishop Brown, can you hear us now? He still can't hear us. Apostle Ron? I got something. It, um, I, don't want get, I don't want this to get into church or generational bashing. I, you, you, said, you talked about a chiropractic alignment. Now, I'm going to tell you, I could talk all night. When you start, when you start talking about order yeah. and setting things in alignment, but you have a generation, Bishop Hawkins, Bishop Brown, Bishop, Bishop Gary, you have a generation that does not recognize. You have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Okay, what are we fighting? We're fighting division. What do these five gifts do to bring unity in the faith? Right. Wow. So if you, if, if Bishop Gary, if you say, I want you to build me a house and you drop off a load of building material and leave me a hammer, and you come back in four months, you're going to have the most cockeyed, terrible, awful-looking house in the world because I only had one tool to build it, and God says it takes five tools wow. to build the house. It takes five. You can't build it with one. It oh. takes five tools. Wow. Now, we have a generation that saw something evidently in us, I'll own that, whatever it was, that they didn't like. So they swung the pendulum all the way the other way to where the major building blocks of the church are not even recognized. Mm. And, and now being a pastor is a career choice. If I may go further, pastor really is only the fivefold gift recognized in the emerging church. But if you go to 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, it's not even an authoritative gift. God has appointed first in the church apostles, secondarily teachers. And after that, I mean, when you start looking at the authoritative gifts, it's not even there. So when you start telling a pastor to begin to bring the word of the Lord and to build a church, you're asking him to do something that is fundamentally against what he's anointed to do. He's anointed to be a caretaker. Mm. He's not anointed to expand. He's not anointed to even see. He's anointed to take care. Right. 
And and so when you started talking about an alignment, and if if you don't have a priest that is in place, nothing else is in place. Oh. Nothing else is in place. So now I've gone out and I've got a you know natural, fleshly, worldly order brought it in and it works as a corporate machine to build me a strong whatever it is. But I just want to ask this. You come to me because you wanted answers. I want to throw a question out there. Is it possible that we are high, being highly successful at the wrong thing? Whew. Oh. I think we are absolutely being highly successful at the wrong thing. In my, I didn't know you was going to open that door, but I'm going to just run oh. on up in that room. Because, we got to talk about it. Yeah, we, we have to because the church has evolved. I don't even want to call it evolved because that denotes the idea of progression. We have become more like a country club yes. than, than a church. So that when you give, it, it gives you a sense of entitlement. More, and, and so when you are preaching to people and you are their competition and they're not learning from you, to, they don't come to learn, they come to critique, you're in trouble. And that's yeah. where we are right now because the body of Christ wouldn't rep- recognize an apostolic anointing if it showed up and sat oh, next to them. Oh, if they, oh. they wouldn't even know if a, if a pro- prophetic gift walked into the room. They wouldn't know the difference because we've not trained the people to recognize when your man of God, I know y'all th- all four of us do this. We may come in there one day and teach you. But there may be a moment in time where the nation is in a crisis that we're not coming to nurture you and nourish you. We're coming to speak to you prophetically. And the people of God, we've not taught them and trained them to recognize right now my man of God just walked in another office. My man of God just walked into the office of an apostle. So yeah. I fully agree that, that, you know, the apostolic anointing is all about proton. It's pioneering. It's aggressive. And we are at that moment now that the kingdom of God is suffering violence and the violent take it by force. It's not time for us to apologize for being who we are and being passive about our approach. And the people of God need to recognize the men of God that are standing in front of them, that these men of God are transitional in their anointings. They're transitional in their offices. And each one of those offices is laden with power and equipment. We're not coming half cocked. And so right. that's my two cents on it. I, I agree with you, Apostle Ron. Let, let's stop doing the country club thing and let's mobilize the army of God by bringing order and structure, just like the woman in the temple that was bent over for 18 years and the Lord Jesus called her to, and touched her and she had a skeletal adjustment. She was right. immediately made straight. And I believe that Jesus is coming back to the temple to touch his bride. And she's going to immediately, I believe we're about to see exactly what you're saying. Yep. I would just say one thing that I think that we're going to have to get back to the thing that what activates us is not numbers. It's not um, being the, the latest and the coolest and all this stuff. And there's nothing wrong with using everything that we have i'm not i'm knocking that at all but we have to get back to the place where we are word activated it is the word of god that activates things in us come on it is not a, a good idea i didn't go to the latest conference over here and i went to this other place over here and i got some ideas from these guys and this guy and i come back and i find myself being somebody that i'm really don't even know who i am at 
uh, trying to uh, fulfill all those roles. So mm. when when real power uh, is alive in me, it is because I am being true to my authentic self. Mm. My authentic self was born of a word. In the beginning was the word. Be that's past tense. Was the word. So before the beginning began, there had to be something that initiated the beginning. And if we don't operate out of a word, when you're talking about where was the word of God, where was the word of the Lord in this pandemic and all this moment, if we don't get back to the place where we are on so in tune with God mm. that we word for everything we ought not to be doing anything in our churches what if we had to stop what if we had to stop doing everything god never told us to do wow what would we have left on the program the wow. Lord bishop what would we do and mm -hmm. so i think it has to be i think we have to go back to the place of being word activated but i think the thing that we have to walk this whole thing out and and i've heard this for years and i know y'all have heard it for years that, that prophets were kind of mean-spirited and, you know, they could cut you down and all this kind of stuff. But I don't find that scripturally. I find that everything in God operates best out of a motivation of love. Wow. And for his people. And those two things cover everything we're trying to talk about right here. And if we don't have a pure love for God and his kingdom and a pure love for the people, I'm not talking about numbers. I'm not talking about certain kinds of people. I'm not, I'm just talking about people that need Jesus. If we don't get back to a word activation and a love motivation, I, I don't know what the church has left that we're going to do. Boy, that is strong, Bishop. That is so strong. And we do, you remember that old song, we need a word from the Lord. And he, sa and he says, if we don't hear from you, we don't know what to do. From the Lord. Go on and sing. <laughs> Apostle Ron, I'm gonna I'm gonna allow you, Apostle Ron, to, to give a final word on the on this evening. And I want to thank you guys. And Bishop Brown, we lost him somehow, but I want to thank you guys for I know how busy all three of you are. And as you said, Apostle Ron, I I have been more busy the last 14, 16 weeks than I have in a very, very long time. And so for you guys to take a moment out of your schedule to be with us, we're just honored and we're humbled. And, and you guys have certainly shared oracles for us tonight. And I appreciate it. So a closing word, Apostle Ron. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, that, the person who said that, by the way, is a, is a, is a, is a great man. I know, I know him personally, but he talked about since we've been on this forced rest and Sabbath. And I'm like, man. I need to come pastor your church. I have not been on the Sabbath. So, uh, anyway, um, I, I spoke to the COVID thing. Let me speak to the other. The, we're sitting here in lockdown watching a, a country shut down and all the collateral damage that could potentially come from that, the anxiety that we feel, you know, an economy shutting down, or digging out of holes of debts, payroll to say that those things weren't pressuring on us. We're not being honest with ourselves. Everybody felt the pressure of that. That's right. And so I looked and then in the middle of that, this horrific, horrific scene with George Floyd mm. that just caught every racial tension to rise right to the surface in the middle of, and I'm like, wow, I mean, how much more? And then Jesus heard of Lazarus. 
He was sick. And the Bible said, and Jesus loved Lazarus. Right. And he waited two more days. Mm. I love you so much, I'm not going to show up. Yep. Wow. It doesn't even, it's hard to even make that make sense. And Jesus loved Lazarus, and I'm not coming. Mm-hmm. And I have, I wonder if God sometimes will let things deteriorate on purpose to show a side of himself we've never seen. Wow. Wow. He takes you from glory to glory. Yep. And the glory of healing had already been revealed, but the glory of resurrection from the dead had not been revealed. And Jesus told those around him, he said, this is for the glory of God. So when they said Lazarus is sick, he said, this ain't about sickness. This is about glory. Oh, Lord, have mercy. It's not about what you're dealing with. This is about glory. So many times our desperation and difficulty becomes God's opportunity. Yes. And so what Jesus saw here, if I will just withdraw myself from the situation, let the situation continue to deteriorate, there will be a side of me that I can reveal that has not yet been revealed. Mm. I just believe prophetically, I've seen some great stuff and I have had a great heritage as a spirit-filled young man from my birth. Ron Carpenter is hopeful that God has let it deteriorate on purpose, that we are going to see a people that are hungry for God and a God reveal himself in a way that's above shouting and above jumping. Mm -hmm. But there's going to be a demonstration of his majesty, power, and glory that's going to kiss a generation that has never been hungry for God, but now has become hungry for God. And when the two meet, there's going to be explosion Maybe wow. like I've never seen in my lifetime. Wow. That's my pathetic insight on it. Bishop Gary? I, I, I believe that. And I will tell you that he's, the Bible says that he causes all things to work for mm. our good. Oh. For our good. For our good. What is our good? What is our good? That I'm happy? What is our good? That, I'm, that, I, that I like the house I live in? That I like the car I drive? No, what is the good is that I'm saved. Mm. The good is that he redeems me out of all of it. The good is that it's not that I'm yes. going to go through this situation and all of a sudden be real happy because he made it work for my good. But at the end of the day, when I see him face to face, I'm going to say, you made that thing work for my good. And I thank you. That's what he told him back. He said, I'm going to raise up some Babylonians. They're going to come sweeping through there. They're going to tear up your country. He said, but what they're going to do is they're going to put you back on your face because Habakkuk said that, okay, God, so you're using all of this stuff to correct us and get us back where we're supposed to be. And that is on our face. So Ron Carpenter, you are absolutely prophetically right. Bishop Hawkins, you are so right on. It is all about the glory of God. It's all about getting back to him. Yes. God judged it better to bring good out of evil than not to let or permit evil to exist. God will get the glory and we will get the good. God will get the glory and we'll get the good out of this. I'm going to pray and then, guys, again, thank you. Father, I thank you for the anointing, hallelujah, on these men. I thank you for their ministries that are impacting this globe. 
And I pray, God, that they catch a second wind. Whoo! Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you to breathe on these dry bones that are segregated and separated. Breathe from the north, south, east, and west, and let these bones come together, bone to bone, and let a vast army rise up in this nation that understands order, that understands spiritual synchronization, Cause us to be the apostolic force that you've anointed us to be to bring about the greatest revival this nation has ever seen. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Glory to God. I love you guys. Thank you again. Thank you very much.